Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Islanders Award Winners podcast examining seasons in which a New York Islander took home a major NHL award. I am your host, Dan Saracini. Today, we will finish our look at Mike Bossy's record-setting rookie season that netted him the Calder Trophy in 1978. Lighthouse Hockey is SB Nation's home for New York Islanders news and discussion. You can find all of our podcasts, including our flagship show, Islanders Anxiety, and Weird Islanders the Podcast, by searching Islanders Anxiety in any podcasting app of your choice. At patreon.com slash islandersanxiety, you can subscribe monthly to receive ad-free episodes, bonus podcasts, and more. And as always, thank you for listening. And now on to Mike Bossy, Calder Trophy, 1978, Part 2. Mike has a natural knack for scoring goals that can't be taught. He's great in close but he doesn't skate in too close. He patrols the perimeter where the defenseman can't line him up. He never gets caught in traffic around the net. He stands back where he has room to shoot. With his quick hands, he'd make a great pickpocket. Islanders goalie Glenn Chico Resch on rookie teammate Mike Bossy, the New York Times, February 7, 1978. The Olympia, Detroit, Michigan, November 27, 1977. Islanders, Red Wings. Immediately after the opening faceoff, 20-year-old Mike Bossy, in just his 23rd career NHL game, was dragged into a full-blown rumble. He was jumped and tossed around by Detroit goon Dan Maloney thanks to some misunderstood comments from a month earlier. Bossy's linemate Clark Gillies squared off with Detroit's Dennis Polonich. After the attack, Bossy couldn't focus on the rest of the game 
and had to deal with Polonich, Maloney, and winger Dennis Hextall shadowing him all night long. The Islanders won 4-1, but Bossy, the NHL's best rookie that season and one of its leading scorers, was a shell of himself. He didn't score a goal for the first time in seven contests or earn a point for the first time in 11. As he wrote in Boss, his 1987 memoir co-written with Barry Meisel of the New York Daily News, the entire experience and the bad memories it dredged up of the hellish time he had had in his rough-and-tumble junior hockey days would weigh on his mind. After the game, I told the press that I was ashamed of the way I played. I said I was disappointed that I wasn't able to ignore the intimidation. I should have been able to shake it off, because Junior had taught me how to handle it. Boss, page 76. The shocking and scoreless ordeal against the Red Wings, and missing three games where they pulled groin muscle, were the first hurdles in what had been a spectacular debut season for Bossy. He was second in the NHL in scoring as the calendar turned to December 1977, and his 33 points on 20 goals and 13 assists were tied with Guy Lafleur. The man ahead of them was Bossy's center, Brian Trottier, who had 16 goals and 25 assists for 41 points. Gillies, the left winger on that same line, was fifth with 28 points. Just two months into the season, Bossy was already on pace to surpass the NHL rookie record of 44 goals set by Buffalo's Rick Martin in 1971-72. But entering December, Bossy was actually one of a few injured Islanders. Gary Howitt had a broken hand, Burt Marshall was playing with a cast on his thumb, and Billy Harris was wearing a full mask over his swollen face thanks to being hit with a puck. Bossy's injury forced head coach Al Arbor to use Jude Druan in his spot on the top line. The rookie right-winger's absence gave people a moment to reflect on the instant magic created by the already famous Trio Grande line of Bossy, Trottier, and Gilly. Writing for the New York Times, Parton Keese was already comparing the trio to the legendary and poetic Tinkers to Evers to Chance, and other winning combinations such as Detroit's production line or Buffalo's French Connection. Quote, They are not first in the league in goals scored, not in the top four in goals allowed, nor in the top four in total points. They are not even first in their division, but they are the talk of hockey. They have Trottier, Gillies, and Bossy, the hottest forward line in the business. At the time, Trottier, Gillies, and Bossy had played about 24 games together. They had compiled 107 points as a unit and accounted for 50 of the Islanders' 96 goals as a team. Al Arbor, who knew the line would work together right from training camp, saw from the bench how all three were on the same wavelength. Quote, That line complements each other so well. They know each other's moves better than their own. Gillies told the New York Times that it wasn't just natural chemistry that made the line productive, but a willingness to keep each other in check. Quote, I'm a digger. Trotz is a playmaker, and Mike is a scorer. We give each other hell, too, when somebody fouls up and doesn't do his job. A key element to Bossy's rookie season that can't be overlooked was his relationship with his center, roommate, and a young man who knew all about record-setting rookie seasons, Brian Trottier. From that second day of training camp when they first met, the two were as thick as thieves, spending almost all of their time on the road together and often getting together at home for double dates with their wives. Neither Bossy nor Trottier was a party animal like a lot of the other older Islanders. While their teammates were out in the town, it was very common for the Islanders' top center and right wing to be in their hotel room watching soap operas, the honeymooners, or bowling for dollars. 
Gary Howitt dubbed the two bread and butter. And it wasn't just because of their obvious on-ice chemistry. Bossy and Trottier clicked instantly because of their similar senses of humor, demeanors, and competitive natures. Quote, We have the same interests, I guess. We're both very adaptable, and that's probably why we get along. If I make a suggestion to do something, such as getting a milkshake or watching a movie on TV, Mike goes along with it. If he wants to play backgammon or just talk, I say fine, let me do it. In fact, Bossy dedicated an entire chapter of his memoir to Trottier and their instantaneous and intrinsic friendship. Their connection not only helped Bossy adjust to life in the NHL, but Trottier's veteran status on the team, even at just 21 years old, helped protect and soften Bossy's entry among the veteran Islanders. The two young stars were navigating tricky waters together, while also being two of the very best forwards in the NHL. We could laugh at something funny in the street, a terrible joke, or the rooster tail sticking up from Al's scalp while he kicked garbage cans and chewed us out after a bad loss. It got to a point where Trotz and I could pick up our heads during one of Al's tirades, just look at each other and have to bow our heads and grit our teeth to keep from cracking up. Boss, page 87. Aside from opponents, the only person who might have had a beef with the trio grande would have been Billy Harris. The Islanders' first ever draft pick had been the right winger on the top line previously known as the Long Island Lighting Company, or Lilco line, with Trottier and Gillies. But Harris knew what was up, even if it meant getting shuffled down the lineup. Quote, If I felt it was hurting my chances of getting a better contract, I might say something. But let's face it, the team is doing a lot better and we've got a terrific chance to go all the way. Hey, where would we be without those guys? As hard as it may be to believe, the trio grande didn't score every night. In a 4-0 Islanders win in Chicago, the line was actually shut out. Bob's Bourne and Nystrom each scored a goal and an assist, and Billy Smith made 35 saves. Al Arbor was pleased to see his depth guys giving his big line a break. Quote, we can't let one line do it all for us. They need a rest now and then. It's good for them, too, us scoring for a change. After that one-off game, the trio went right back to work, picking up a combined nine points and a 7-4 win over Detroit. Bossy scored his 21st goal of the season and added an assist. Bossy scored again in a 2-2 tie with the Blackhawks, and then again in a 4-1 win over the Bruins. While Bossy was potting his 23rd goal of the season on December 17th, one of the other Islanders' rookies, Mike Kaziki, scored the first goal of his NHL career. Being an NHL rookie is hard enough. It's got to be a little harder when the other rookie forward on the team is sixth in the NHL in scoring, third of the way through the season. Bossy missed the Islanders' 9-1 win over Colorado, the 200th victory of Arbor's NHL coaching career, on December 20th with a pulled groin muscle. Bossy returned for the next game and picked up his second four-assist game of the season in a 6-3 victory against St. Louis. But, as always, a reality check was around the corner. Several, actually. In a 7-5 loss in Montreal on December 23rd, the Islanders were down 7-1 after two periods, and the trio grande picked up just two points on some garbage time goals. To make matters worse, Arbor did not give Bossy permission to stay back in Montreal to see his family at Christmas. Bossy was disappointed on the flight home and was furious the next morning when he found out that the practice Arbor didn't want him to miss was just an optional. Bossy kept his emotions to himself, but now about halfway through his first NHL season, the winger was starting to assert himself more and more. Bossy and Dennis Potvin even got into a shouting match in the middle of a game in Los Angeles. 
I had the puck on the right side, and Denny was open at the point. Instead of passing it back to Denny toward the middle, I turned and shot. It was the improper play, and it didn't work. I was mad that I didn't score, and I wondered if a pass to Denny was a better play. When I turned to look at him, he had a scowl and said, Why didn't you pass? We skated to the bench. He sat down, and I leaned against the board, still on the ice, and said, Sorry, maybe I should have passed it. And he said, Yeah, you should have. We both stated our cases so loud that Al had to come over and tell us both to shut up. If Al hadn't, who knows how long that argument would have lasted. Boss, page 80. Something tells me that argument was a little more than just, you should have passed. For Arbor to break it up insinuates that Bossy and Potvan were at a real loggerheads over who deserved the puck more in that situation. The Islanders won the game 4-3 with Bossy scoring his first goal in five games. Arbor even praised his team afterwards for a, quote, gutty win. After two wins on the road, it was back home for the Islanders at New Year's Eve, but they ended the year with yet another loss to the Canadians. It was their third straight loss to Montreal, but Bossy did score a goal, his 25th. He would also score two nights later in a game against a touring hockey team from Perdubice in the Czech Republic. The Islanders won the game 8-3 over the Czechs, who had won the previous year's World Hockey Championships. Center Yuri Novak was impressed by the Islanders, saying they played, quote, a nice combination of European and North American hockey. He also singled out the trio Grande and said they were better than the top line for the recent Stanley Cup champion Flyers, who had beaten the Czech team a few days prior. Bossy stayed hot with a goal and an assist in a 7-4 win over Colorado. But the Islanders made news in another way that day. Bill Torrey had pulled the trigger on a deal sending stalwart defenseman Jean Potvin and fan favorite J.P. Parisi to the Cleveland Barons for center Wayne Merrick and prospect Darcy McGee. Torrey felt the Islanders needed improved depth to finish ahead of Philadelphia in the Patrick division or beat Montreal in the playoffs. The trade was a shock for the Islanders, who saw two of their most popular teammates suddenly shipped off to Cleveland. It didn't help that immediately after the trade, the Islanders and Barons played a game at Richfield Coliseum, with the hapless home team upsetting the intimidating Islanders 5-3. Bossy scored his 27th goal, but after the game, the story was all about Jude Druin, who said he had been disappointed by his usage on the Islanders and didn't like the scratches and low ice time he had been getting before the trade. Druin also said after the game, quote, The one thing I was determined to do was see that Mike Bossy didn't score when I was checking. I got that done. When the 1978 NHL All-Star Game selections were unveiled, it wasn't a surprise to see the Islanders' best players on the list. Bossy, Trottier, Gillies, Dennis Potvin, and Billy Smith were all named, with all of them getting the call as starters. At mid-January, Bossy's stat line of 39 games played, 27 goals, and 20 assists, 47 points, was good for 8th in the NHL in scoring. Trottier led the league with 30 goals and 40 assists in 42 games, while Gillies was 7th with 19 goals, 31 assists, and 50 points. Bossy added two more goals to his totals in a 5-2 win over Minnesota on January 19th and also drew his first NHL penalty, a tripping call in the third period. For Bossy, the game was a reawakening of the spark he had had earlier in the season. Though you really wouldn't know it from looking at the game logs, his production had slowed down since that torrid start, and to Bossy, that was simply unacceptable. Quote, After the fast start, I was taking things for granted. I knew I would cool off somewhat but I was going around the house moping about it. Then my wife said to me to just go out and play the way that I could. 
A 6-1 home win over Philly on a snowy January 21st put the Islanders and Flyers in a tie atop the Patrick division. The Islanders were 11-3 in their last 14 games and had closed the gap on the Flyers after being behind by as many as six points. Of course, Bossy was involved, scoring goals 30 and 31 in a game packed to the gills with penalties. Off the play by Marshall, who sends out of the zone. Brian Trotty and Gillies two on three, dumped in by Brian. After it goes Gillies. Gillies now loses behind the picked up by Bossy. He tries to send it to Bucket. Bossy sends the shot by Bossy. Goal! Island the goal! Island the goal! Mike Bossy turned 21 on January 22, 1978. A day later, he packed a bag for his first NHL All-Star game. The experience started inauspiciously. Bossy wasn't even recognized by Campbell Conference coach Fred Shiro. Somehow, the Trio Grande was shut out against their fellow luminaries as the Campbell Conference squad lost to the Prince of Wales Conference 3-2 in overtime. The happiest man in the odd that day turned out to be Billy Smith was named MVP of the game despite being on the losing end and walked away with a brand new car. When the regular season resumed, Smith returned to his normally combative ways and got into a mutual stick-swinging incident with Maple Leafs agitator Dave Tiger Williams that sparked the Islanders in a 4-2 win. Despite the altercation, both Smith and Williams had a healthy respect for each other's aggression, with Tiger calling Smith, quote, good goaltender who likes to patrol his domain. And Smith saying of Williams, quote, I'd like to have him on my team. In a few months' time, those words would prove to be prophetic. Meanwhile, Smith's youngest teammate was still lighting the league up. Bossy scored goals 32 and 33 in a 6-2 win over the Rangers, breaking the Islanders' rookie record for goals in a season set by Brian Trottier just two years earlier. Shockingly, there were still 33 games left to go in the season. Bossy celebrated his accomplishment by scoring two more goals in their next game, a 3-2 loss to the Sabres. His 35 goals tied Clark Gilley's team record for goals in the season. When asked about tying the record just past the season's midway point, Bossy replied that, quote, it would have meant something if we had won. Having already broken or tied two important Islanders team records, there was one other significant mark for Bossy to eclipse. That would be Rick Martin's NHL rookie record of 44 goals set in 1971-72. With over 30 games left, it was only a matter of time before Bossy set a new record for first-year NHL players. The question was, just how high would he set the bar? A goal and a 5-2 win over the Flames gave Bossy nine scores in his last 10 games. Despite scoring 36 goals that season, Bossy had not yet had an NHL hat trick. He changed that in a 6-1 win over the Capitals, scoring goals 37, 38, and 39. The first two were scored in the game's first 12 minutes, and the last one with just four minutes to go. It was another incredible performance by the 21-year-old phenom. Center Wayne Merrick, still fairly new to the Islanders, said, quote, I've never seen anyone situate himself around the net the way Bossy does. He sees where the puck is going to be and anticipates it so well. Bossy credited his linemates, who he called, quote, the best center in the league, and the best left wing. They make fantastic plays. They've made me what I am, plus the whole team. With six goals and an assist in four games, Bossy was named NHL Player of the Week for February 7, 1978. He also got a feature in the New York Times by Dave Anderson, recounting the now-legendary draft story 
and comparing him to Lucien Deblois, the winger the Rangers picked several spots before Bossy. Deblois had 19 goals at that point in the season, which is a fine total for an NHL rookie, but it put him in a distant second place behind Bossy. For his part, Deblois didn't wonder about what could have been, saying, quote, Suppose the Rangers had picked Mike and the Islanders had picked me. It's something I never think about. The thought had crossed a few minds, though. Dennis Potvan told Anderson, quote, If Mike were on the Rangers, you could put a checker on him and he'd have trouble. But playing with Brian and Clark, it's opened up more scoring room for him. Bossy didn't seem to mind the comparisons to Deblois, mainly because he knew he was right in the end. Quote, I'm not as aggressive as he is. That's why I wasn't drafted earlier. Teams didn't think I could take the checking or be aggressive enough. With every goal, Bossy proved every doubter wrong. He hit 40 goals on February 8th against the Blackhawks, but the milestone was marred by a few bigger concerns. One was a snowstorm so massive that the team dispatched a fleet of jeeps to ferry players from their homes to Nassau Coliseum, where they would catch their bus to the airport. Then their flight from LaGuardia was canceled, so they had to reroute to JFK. Two was that the Islanders lost the game 5-4, blowing leads of 2-1 and 3-2 in the process. But even worse was Bossy sustaining a shoulder injury after a hit by defenseman Phil Russell. The hit occurred late in the third period, and Bossy left the game for x-rays. It was officially classified as a, quote, severe strain, and it was clear that he was going to miss some time. Al Arbor summed up the calamitous trip, saying, quote, What can you say? I don't like to make excuses, but this was one of those days we'd like to forget about. We had a tough time all day. Following a nine-hour trek home, Bossy retreated to his Northport apartment with Lucy to get more x-rays and recover. Early prognosis said he'd be out from seven to ten days. He ended up missing five games in total, and the Islanders were suddenly in a slump. Bossy was one of several injured players, including defenseman Dave Lewis and Wayne Merrick, who sustained a concussion and had to be stretched to the hospital. After a disjointed and disinterested 2-2 tie in Cleveland, the Islanders were ahead of the Flyers in the division by just a single point, and a pissed-off Arbor accused his team of playing, quote, cement-head hockey. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Bossy returned on February 18th and scored in a 3-3 tie with the Flames. The points put the Islanders four ahead of Philly. They made the gap six with a 4-1 win over the Flyers the very next day. Bossy scored his 42nd goal of the season and 18th on the power play. Combined with his 27 assists, Bossy had 69 points, while Gillies had 63, and Trottier had a whopping 97. Along with Dennis Potvan's 70 points, the Islanders had four of the top 10 scorers in the NHL. Oh, and Chico Resch was 8-0-1 in his last nine games. Bossy now sat just three goals from breaking Rick Martin's NHL record of 44 goals as a rookie. And it took all of one game for him to tie Martin. Bossy scored twice in a 3-3 tie with Atlanta on February 22nd, the Islanders' third 3-3 deadlock with the Flames that season. The pair gave him 21 goals in his previous 20 games, and he was on pace to score 60 in the season. But chasing NHL history was starting to get on the kid's nerves. He said after the game that tying the record, quote, doesn't mean anything. The next one will mean something. He also had a fun but exasperated exchange with media folks. When the reporters who had been bugging me about the record brought it up again, I said, why don't you ask me something new? What color shirts do you wear? Someone asked. Red, I responded. 
It reminds me of the Golite. What kind of shirts do you wear? Cheap ones. Boss, page 82. Bossy lit the lamp again in a 7-to-1 blowout of Chicago on March 25, 1978. The goal was his 45th of the season, breaking his tie with Rick Martin, making him the highest-scoring rookie in NHL history. The goal, scored late in the second period, was assisted on by Brian Trottier and was scored on Tony Esposito. Bossy nearly had the record earlier in the period, but he insisted that the goal actually belonged to Clark Gillies, his first in 13 games. The game was number 60 on the Islanders' regular season schedule, giving Bossy 20 more chances to push the record as far as he could. In only six years, the Islanders were already among the best teams in the NHL. First, it was through sheer defensive determination. Now, not only did they have the highest scoring rookie in NHL history, but Bossy's feats had filtered out throughout the rest of the lineup. Bill Torrey said late in the season, quote, he scores so fast, it's exhilarating, and it has a psychological effect on the team. There's no doubt in any of our guys' minds now that the goals are going to come. The goals stopped for Bossy in a three-game slump. One of those games was a win in Toronto, which the trio grande was shadowed by the Leafs' top line of Daryl Sittler, Lanny McDonald, and recurring villain Tiger Williams. Bossy eventually scored goal number 46 in a 6-3 win over Pittsburgh on March 4th. He then personally victimized St. Louis in two games, scoring numbers 47 and 48 in a 6-3 win at the Checker Dome, then got to 49 in a rematch at Nassau Coliseum that ended in a 3-3 tie. A pattern was beginning to emerge in the Islanders' games, going through the motions and blowing leads. Although they were 4-0-2 in their last six, things had gotten a lot tighter at the top of the Patrick division and the Flyers were only four points behind after a 4-2 Islanders loss in Philly. A tie in Cleveland, after blowing a 4-2 lead, dropped the spread to just three points. The Islanders had to rally from a 3-0 deficit to beat Minnesota 6-3 on March 27th. Maybe more concerning was that Bossy was suffering through the longest drought of his first season. Going into a game against the surging Rangers with no scores in his last five, Bossy felt he was playing well, but the goals weren't falling for him. Quote, I'm always thinking of what other people might think. I'm afraid of disappointing others. Rangers forward Steve Vickers found all this Islanders drama to be kind of funny, actually, telling Newsday's Tim Moriarty, quote, They win a game, but they give up a couple of goals, and I pick up a paper and everybody's crying. Then they play two games last weekend, and they pick up three of a possible four points, and I read they're not satisfied. What do they want to do? Win every game? Yes, Steve, that was the goal. But that night at the Garden, it was John Davidson and the Rangers who came out on top 5-1. to one. Checker Nick Fatiu was draped all over Bossy all night, and although he had some chances, the kid couldn't shake loose and stretched his slump to an almost unfathomable sixth game. He would break the drought with two power play goals and a 3-2 win over Washington, including the winner with just five seconds left on the clock. Those were goals 50 and 51 on the season, putting Bossy officially into rarefied NHL air. Not only was the 50-goal mark a milestone, but Bossy became the first NHL rookie to ever hit it. He also made good on the bold proclamation he had made to Bill Torrey before he had even signed his first pro contract. After scoring the winning goal, Bossy danced a jig on the ice. He told reporters later, quote, All my frustration came out in that one shot. It meant so much to me. Tears came to my eyes. I was so overjoyed, I don't care what I did. 
if I looked silly or anything. Bossy also said getting to 50 goals was like losing, quote, 200 pounds off my back. A win in Detroit set up the Islanders with a chance to clinch their first ever division championship. All they needed was a victory over the Flyers at home on April 4th. They settled for a tie and bossy for goal number 52. But they clinched for real in an even better way, with a 7-2 win over the Rangers at Nassau Coliseum four days later. Bossy had a goal and an assist, netting number 53 just 38 seconds into the second period. A regular season division championship was extremely meaningful to this crew. Champagne flowed in the home team's locker room, with men like Bill Torrey, Bob Nystrom, and Billy Harris, who had been with the Islanders since the very, very beginning, letting all of their emotions out in celebration. Al Arbor said, quote, When I came here, people said we'd be in last place for 10 years. There were times when I believed them. The Islanders wasted no time in celebrating their championship, getting absolutely wasted in the locker room after the game. That led to some over-the-top behavior that would leave a permanent impression not only on Bossy, but some of his family, who just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. About a million people crammed into our dressing room after the game. Players, wives, friends, fans who had snuck in. Champagne was everywhere. Two rookies who had escaped hockey's most barbaric ritual all season, Stefan Pearson and I, got shaved by a few drunk veterans. I was drunk too, and I have no idea who took the razor to me. They ignored the hair on my head and shaved my (coughs) groin area. Then they threw me naked into the runway outside the dressing room. Who did I see when I hit the floor? Lucy, my brother Roddy, and his wife Barbara. They were waiting outside celebrating, and they cracked up when I came flying out the door. I started pounding on it to get back in. I wanted to celebrate too. Boss, page 83. The Islanders' regular season finale was a 5-2 win over the Bruins that had more than its fair share of fluky goals. But there was nothing fluky about this version of the once-hapless expansion team. They set team records for wins with 48 and points with 111. The Islanders boasted six 30-goal scorers, including Bob Nystrom and Bob Bourne, who each reached the mark. At the top of the scoring list was Trottier who finished with 46 goals and 77 assists for a then-team record 123 points. He missed out on the Art Ross Trophy by just 9 points as Guy Lafleur came from behind late in the season to take the crown as the NHL's scoring champion. Behind Trottier on the Islanders was Dennis Potvin, who had 30 goals and 64 assists for 94 points. Clark Gillies had 30 goals and 55 assists for a tidy 85 points. And new guy Bossy was right in the middle of it all, finishing his first NHL season with 53 goals, a new single-season record for an NHL rookie. He also had 38 assists for 91 points, missing by three points Trottier's rookie record set a couple of years earlier. It was by all accounts a spectacular debut season. As Bill Torrey said, recalling the previous year's draft once again, quote, I think Henry Saraceno is still dancing. The Islanders had been good for the last three seasons, but with the electric, nigh-unstoppable bossy, they had a chance to be dominant. The division championship seemed like just the beginning. After the break, the Islanders head into the 1978 playoffs, and a fight they never saw coming. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. 
You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Finishing first in the Patrick Division gave the Islanders a bye into the quarterfinals and a meeting with the Toronto Maple Leafs pretty good team that still finished 19 points behind the Islanders in the regular season standings. The Leafs had some top-end talent, including Daryl Sittler and Lanny McDonald, who scored 45 and 47 goals respectively that season. They also had Swedish import Borjer Salming on the blue line, who was among the best defensemen of his era. In goal was Mike Palmatier, who was fourth in the NHL in save percentage and second in shutouts that season. Before playing the Islanders, the Leafs had to eliminate the Los Angeles Kings in the preliminary round two games to none. In his first season behind the Leafs bench was Roger Nielsen, although he was only 43 at the time. Nielsen had been coaching sports for over half his life by then. As a kid, Islanders winger Billy Harris had him as a baseball coach and a history teacher. Nielsen was constantly innovating and thinking about hockey in unorthodox and unusual ways, and wasn't afraid to try something weird in a game or practice. Nielsen knew that the Leafs didn't have the depth or talent level of the Islanders, so he devised a plan to get the Patrick Division champs off their game. I'm with Al Arbor's coaching counterpart in this series, and let's find out Roger Nielsen's thoughts. You played very well against Los Angeles. I'm sure you will want to do the same thing. How, uh, how much can you play the same way? Or uh, to put it the other way, what do you have to change against the Islanders, if anything? Well, I think we've got to be as aggressive as we were uh, against L.A., uh, it's going to be a lot more difficult because the Islanders are a, a tough physical team and they always have been. And However, that's a series that we'd like to make it and I think our players are up to do that. Leading that Leafs aggression would be Dave Tiger Williams, the NHL's preeminent wild man who had 350 penalty minutes in just the 1977-78 season alone. Toronto had also traded for Dan Maloney, the enforcer who had tossed Bossy around like a ragdoll in Detroit earlier that season. Other tough guys on the roster included Ian Turnbull and Pat Botet. 
The goal was to push and prod and hack and whack and slash and generally torment the Islanders as often as they could during every game. Nielsen knew that at some point, all that bullying would eventually wear down and distract the Islanders and even the playing field. The Islanders knew they had the better club. They knew that their top line of Trottier, Gillies, and Bossy had combined for a ridiculous 299 points that season. They also knew that the time for winning a Stanley Cup was right now. Anything else would be considered a disappointment. Ed Westfall told Newsday, quote, Now we're determined to go all the way. There's nothing else left. Game 1 on April 17, 1978 at Nassau Coliseum went as expected the Islanders building a 3-0 first period lead en route to a convincing 4-1 victory. What was less expected was changes to the Islanders' lines put into place at the last minute by Al Arbor. Bob Nystrom skated on right wing with Trottier and Gillies. And Bossy, playing on a new line with Mike Kaziki and Bob Bourne, scored the Islanders' third goal of the opening period, tipping in Bourne's shot from the near circle past Paul Mateer. Ellis got away from Putman. He'll have to do it again as Putback caught up to him, but he didn't do it the second time. Back for Kuzicki coming in with Bossy. Pass back to Bourne. Bossy got it back to Bourne. And Brian, I think it hit Paul Matier's skate before it went in. Well, we may see that on the replay, but it went in. That's what counts for the Islanders, and it was a clever three-way passing play. Bourne number 14. They'll take it however it went in. Watch now. Here's Kaziki. He's been a tremendous performer in this first period. I mean, the back pass. And Bossy was there. Born with the puck. Bossy puts his stick out. He gets his first goal of the season against the Leafs. How about that? Bossy got his stick down. It wasn't Paul Matier's skate after all. Bossy got that stick down rather quickly behind the goal game. Yes, he did. The line changes were a surprise to not only the Leafs, but the Islanders as well. It was part of Arbor's design game plan to counter the Leafs' intended physicality. Breaking up the big line meant that Bossy could avoid Williams and Maloney for most of the night. As Brian Trottier said afterward, quote, Whatever Al does is never a surprise. Game 2 required overtime, but it was Bossy again playing the hero, scoring about three minutes into the extra session to give the Islanders a 3-2 victory and a 2-0 lead in the series. Here's a pass by Pate. Pate gets the chance, puts the shot, a rebound, double! Oh, they score! Yeah! It's in the net! It's all over, and the New York Islanders have won this exciting hockey game, grabbing that late ball of the year, and the great cold wild. The Islanders are congratulating each other. The Leafs are putting up a protest. Bossy's there, he whacks at it. Bossy 
Crossy moves in. He whacks at it. He gets another chance. And Crossy almost bothered the puck. And a third chance. Van Helleman is there and he signals the goal. Yes, it counts. And the Islanders win it. After Trottier's initial shot from distance, Bossy shoveled the rebound past Palmatier on his backhand, all while taking a stick in the gut, courtesy of Dan Maloney. The game had a total of 58 penalty minutes on 19 infractions, and Islanders defenseman Jerry Hart said that there could have been even more. Although the Islanders skated off the ice with the win, it was the Leafs who felt confident that their process was truly working. Nielsen, McDonald, and Palmatier all echoed the same belief that the Leafs would win their games at Maple Leaf Gardens, where they could be even more tough. Palmatier said after game two, quote, We thumped them here, we're really going to thump them there. We outplayed them here, we're going to outplay them there. Sure enough, they were right. Toronto won games three and four at home to square the series. Game three was a 2-0 win with Palmatier making 19 saves. Game four ended 3-1 for the Leafs. Both contests were packed to the gills with penalties and pims for fighting, elbowing, high-sticking, spearing, and everything else, including a few game misconducts. Game three only had 34 total penalty minutes, but game four finished with a whopping 111 minutes on 30 penalties called between both clubs. There were eight fighting majors in the game, including two to Bob Nystrom and one each to Gary Howitt and Paul Matier. An accidental high stick from Lauren Henning caught Leaf star Boyer Salming in the eye, which ruled Toronto's best blue liner out for the rest of the series. The Islanders were now visibly, palpably frustrated, which of course was the Leafs' plan all along. Game 5 at Nassau Coliseum only had 32 penalty minutes, and the Islanders needed an overtime hero again to take the win. This time, it was Bob Nystrom, who danced Leafs defenseman Brian Glennie and scored an unassisted goal on Paul Martyr eight minutes into OT to give the Islanders a 3-2 lead in the series. It was Nystrom's third goal of the series. Meanwhile, Trottier was goalless, and Gillies and Bossy had not scored since Game 2. Dennis Potvin, the highest-scoring defenseman in the NHL that season and the frontrunner for the Norris Trophy, had only one goal in the five contests. The Leafs had thoroughly and effectively removed the Islanders' top scorers from the equation by not giving them a moment's peace in any game. Somehow, things would get even worse. Game 6 back in Toronto was an absolute disaster for the Islanders, and the 5-2 final score makes it seem much better than it actually was. The Leafs were up 5-0 after two periods before the Islanders scored twice in a chaotic, fight-filled third. 18 penalties in 62 minutes were assessed in that frame alone. Gillies finally scored again, but he fumed afterwards about how ineffective he and his fellow stars had been for the club. Quote, there was no excuse for this game. We were flat. Can you believe that? An important game like this and we had nothing. That has to change. We have to sit down and look in the mirror. But beyond throwing away a chance to clinch the series and end their torture, the Islanders had a bigger problem to worry about. In the second period of Game 6, Bossy went to the corner to corral a rebounded puck. Well after he had turned to face the boards, he was leveled by Leafs winger Jerry Butler. Bossy wrote in his book, quote, I never heard or saw Butler coming. He charged into me, rammed my neck with his stick, and knocked me face first into the boards. Bossy's head hit the top of the dashers, and he went down in a heap. In a scary scene, the prospective rookie of the year had to be carted off the ice on a stretcher and backboard and taken to nearby Wellesley Hospital. Go to the boards, and Bossy was hit hard. Howard got all tied up. Bossy's down on the ice. 
got involved with Turnbull and Palmatier as they scrambled in front of Palmatier. Now uh, Williams, Williams is back up there, and Bossie had two excellent scoring chances. He has very quick hands, a quick release with the puck. Trainer Ron Woski out there. General manager of the Islanders, Bill Torrey, the man with the glasses and the bow tie, his trademark. Very concerned look on his face. And now they have Bossy on the stretcher. Sportsmanlike crowd here at the gardens. And they applaud as Mike Bossy is taken off on a stretcher. Butler, not a goon on Tiger Williams' level, but certainly no stranger to penalties, claimed he glided into Bossy and was simply trying to play the body and get a whistle. To the Islanders, whose season was unraveling before their eyes, Butler had cross-checked a vulnerable Bossy and deserved to pay. He wasn't issued a penalty, which usually in hockey means some frontier justice. But there was curiously little pushback from Bossy's teammates. Butler only had to tangle with Gary Howard in a combative third period. Al Arbor was pissed and sounded like he expected more, saying after the game, quote, he was cross-checked by Butler from behind. There's no doubt about it in my mind. I saw it, and there was no call on it. But it's all right. We've got a good memory. Despite the optics, Bossy was actually in decent shape following the hit. The play could have broken Bossy's neck, but instead turned out to be just a painful strain. He was even back in the arena just before the end of the game after an extremely short hospital stay. He told reporters, quote, I'm alive. I'll be playing Saturday. I just have a stiff neck. He also had some choice and apparently unprintable words about the Leafs in general. Bossy was up on his feet and Brian Trottier was recovering from a bruised jaw he got from a collision with teammate Billy Harris. Both would play in the final game of the series. That was the good news. The bad news was that the Islanders were going into a Game 7 against an inferior opponent that had gotten deep under their skin. Bossy said after the Game 6 debacle, quote, It's not the point of being dirty that gets us. It's gotten to the point where you don't know where it's going to stop. I'm not saying we're angels, but it's too bad things have gotten out of control. Tiger Williams had no such regrets. He antagonized the Islanders even further before Game 7 by saying, quote, This is a pansy series, and the Islanders are a bunch of fairies. The series is over. The Islanders are dead. They have no guts. Yes, those were his actual words. He also asked New York media members if they would be covering the Islanders while they're on vacation. Bob Nystrom summed up the Islanders' predicament succinctly. Quote, we better do something about it or it's going to be a long summer. The fights and the hits and the slashes and the trash talk were like a pro wrestling feud. And it all led up to a tense Game 7 at Nassau Coliseum on April 29, 1978. The teams managed to be on relatively good behavior, and penalties were kept to a manageable level by referee Andy Van Helmond. It was tied at one going into overtime, and only 4-13 into the extra period, Lanny McDonald scored the goal that put the beaten-down Islanders out of their misery. On left wing to Sitler. He's checked by Potvac. Now Turnbull clears it ahead to McDonald. McDonald ready and shoots, he scores! McDonald wins it. The Lanny Leafs McDonald. win it. And the Leafs win it. 2-1 and a goal by Lanny McDonald. 
Cody McDonald has had such a tough time of it in this series, scoring goals. He started to come out of his slump the other night in Toronto, and now he comes through with one of the biggest goals of his career as Lanny McDonald and the Leafs win it in overtime. And a very dejected Glenn Resch, a dejected band of Islanders leave the ice here at the Nassau Coliseum. Resch throws his stick in disgust. Lanny McDonald being congratulated. The loss was a devastating one for the Islanders and about as psychologically damaging as any defeat in the team's young history. They had succumbed to the bullying and beatings administered by the Maple Leafs and could not find it within themselves to rise above them all. The Islanders' locker room stayed closed for 10 minutes immediately following the game. Once they emerged, many of the players were speechless, unable to find the right words to describe what just happened. Tiger Williams, one of the chief antagonists of the series, had a lot to say, including, quote, we screwed up their heads and their bodies went with it. Arbor gave the Leafs credit for being very prepared for his squad, and he said the setback was all part of the franchise's growth. But he would spend the next entire season trying to exercise the demons of the loss by pushing his players harder than he ever had. Listen to our episode on Arbor's only Jack Adams winning season to learn more. It would be easy to say that the Maple Leafs simply bullied and cheated their way to a series victory. But the truth was more nuanced than that. For the Islanders, even more shameful. On locker cleanout day, Bill Torrey, the man who had built this great team that had crashed so spectacularly, told reporters, quote, We beat ourselves. That's the brutal, bitter truth. Newsday columnist Joe Gergen acknowledged that they simply didn't bring what they needed to. Quote, The truth is the Islanders were pushed around by the Leafs in their seven-game series. They were also outscored by one goal in the seventh game. Bossy, Trottier, and Gillies were checked silly throughout, and the third line of Wayne Merrick, Billy Harris, and Gary Howitt simply was no factor. Considering what little they had done with some marvelous opportunities earlier in the game, there is doubt they would have scored again before the onset of Eastern Daylight Time. Their efforts were agonizing to watch. In the end, the Islanders' trio grande of 299 regular season points finished the series with paltry, pathetic numbers. Bossy led the line with two goals and two assists. Trottier had no goals and just three assists, and Gillies had just two goals. All three were on the ice when McDonald scored his series-winning goal. In his book, Bossy doesn't say much about how the Leafs series ended, but what he does say is descriptive. Calling the series, quote, a bloodbath, he laments how he and his teammates played and how they let Toronto get into their head. We were doing nothing. Clarkie wasn't hitting back. Trotz wasn't grinding, and I was looking over my shoulder. After winning the division and finishing third overall, we had such high expectations. Losing in the first round to Toronto was stunning. Clarkie, Trotz, and I were terribly disappointed because we felt we let the team down, but it was a truly despicable series, another black mark on hockey. The hoodlums had won. Boss, page 84. Although his season was now over, Bossy would still appear on TV during the 1978 NHL playoffs. Sitting next to the legendary Jean Beliveau during a CBC intermission interview, the rookie and the retired veteran swapped stories about overtime playoff goals, and Le Gros Bill had some high compliments for his much younger panel mate. Mike, uh, just a sensational season for you. Uh, 53 goals as a rookie, and uh, you're not playing at this point, and I know that has to be disappointing, but... Uh, John, what a future this young man has ahead of him. Well, uh, start uh, like that. It's certainly nice to see youngsters with uh, great talent coming up. It's good for the game, 
And uh, allow me to take this opportunity to congratulate Mike on this fine year. Uh, he made some uh, great play, great goals. Uh, certainly like his wrist shot. <laughs> Gets it away uh, rather quickly, doesn't he? It's certainly nice. Today you see too many slap shots, and especially when a guy has to take a long wind-up. That's why you see too many of those slap shots were deflected, because the guy take a long wind-up. But it's nice to see a uh, youngster coming up with such a great wrist shot. After the series, Bossy admitted that the shoulder injury he had sustained very early in training camp had not fully healed itself throughout the season. It was monitored closely by management and trainers, and since the pain would go away after a while, they determined that surgery wasn't necessary. The possibility of losing Bossy for a significant amount of time even spurred Tory to trade center and original Islander Andre St. Laurent to Detroit for Michel Bergeron, who was a more natural fit on the wing in case a replacement was needed. Thanks to strengthening exercises, not only was Bossy able to reduce the pain, but he finished with the most incredible rookie season in NHL history. That fact was acknowledged on June 12, 1978, when Mike Bossy was named the winner of the Calder Trophy as the NHL's Rookie of the Year. And the voting was not close. Bossy received 232 of a possible 270 points, with Colorado's Barry Beck a distant second with 113 points. Buffalo goalie Don Edwards came in third. The young winger credited his coach, who told him in training camp to, quote, relax and play the way I did in junior. His feelings on winning the Calder were in line with the quiet confidence Bossy betrayed all season long. Quote, My reaction was the same when I was going for 50 goals. I was kind of sure I was going to get it, yet when it happened, I was a little surprised and quite satisfied. Bossy was also quick to praise his linemate and best friend, telling reporters, quote, Of course, it also helped when I was put on the same line with Brian Trottier. Bossy was the third Islander to earn top rookie honors in a five-year span. The first of those men, Dennis Potvin, won his second Norris Trophy as the league's best defenseman at the same awards announcement. Trotte, who won the Calder between Potvin and Bossy, finished second to Montreal's Guy Lafleur in voting for the Hart Trophy as the NHL's most valuable player. Bossy was also named to the NHL's second All-Star team, while Gillies, Trotte, and Potvin were named first-team All-Star. For all his worrying all season long that his reputation as a defensive liability would stall his NHL career before it even got started, that the goons of the era would physically or mentally damage him, that he wouldn't be accepted by his teammates, there was one thing Mike Bossy wasn't concerned about. When asked about the dreaded, quote, sophomore jinx, Bossy knew it wouldn't happen to him. He had always improved every year in his hockey career. A historic rookie year was just the beginning for Mike Bossy. He would go on to set records and eventually win four Stanley Cups on one of the best teams of all time in any sport. His first year established an incredibly high bar that Bossy wouldn't waver from until his retirement from back issues a decade later. Right from the get-go, Mike Bossy was one of a kind. On April 15th, 2022, Mike Bossy passed away from lung cancer. He was 65 years old. It is impossible to accurately summarize the impact Bossy had on the Islanders and the NHL. Nine straight seasons of at least 50 goals and five seasons of at least 60. All in just 10 seasons. The numbers are staggering. But more than anything, just his name invokes images of hockey greatness. Incredible goals scored at the exact right time all the time. 
There was no one like him before, and it's doubtful there ever will be again. When Bossy passed away, remembrances from across the world poured in. From teams across the NHL, from his home province in Quebec, and of course from Long Island, where he worked his magic. At the 2022 NHL draft in Montreal's Bell Centre, his daughter Tanya made a short speech that was serenaded by chants of Bossy, Bossy from the crowd. This was after a tribute to Canadian's great Guy Lafleur, who also succumbed to cancer shortly after his younger rival did. Islanders legend Clark Gillies and fan favorite Jean Potvin also passed away in 2022, making for a very, very difficult year for hockey fans and family. All will be dearly missed, but taking time to reflect and remember the details of what they did on the ice and who they were as people can ensure that their legacies will endure forever. Islanders Award Winners is written, produced, and edited by Dan Saraceni. This episode's special guest is Michael Paul Smith, narrating excerpts from Boss, the Mike Bossy story. Listen to Michael's podcast, Ted and Michael Read Sketches into Microphones, wherever you find your podcasts, or directly from their website at tedandmichael.com. Follow Michael on Twitter and Instagram at mpsmithnyc. Special thanks to Kevin Schultz. Visit Kevin's shop at VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Vintage Ice Hockey also has our Al Arbor t-shirt, and our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. Be sure to visit LighthouseHockey.com every day and subscribe to Islanders Anxiety Podcasts. Sign up at Patreon.com slash Islanders Anxiety for even more. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Islanders Anxiety Podcasts are part of the Fans First Sports Network. To learn more, log on to fansfirstsports.com.